Hello and welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Dave and I want to encourage you to settle in and just receive this amazing word from Pastor Brett Esslinger in our series, Vision and Values. We are uh, continuing a series uh, called Vision and Values and we're talking about who we are and what our, our values are and what, what makes us tick and not only who we are now, but who we want to be. And so some of these are aspirational and some of these are in action right now. And uh, so we're diving into that. Before we go any further, if we could just uh, open up uh, our script, the scriptures. This is John 15. It's not going to be on a screen if you can't read it because it's dark. We apologize. We're having some issues with the internal lighting system. Uh, but I, just, just listen and let it wash over you if you can't read it. Otherwise, use the U version on your phone and get that glow off of your device. This is John chapter 15. It says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Does anyone need some joy to overflow these days? This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down uh, one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is my command love each other. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, the last two points of our values. We have seven values. Uh, we got a vision statement, then we have seven values. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, listen, I, every part-time job I've ever started, they gave me a little new hire package, and in, in, in that package was the values of our company, and you're like, I didn't memorize any of them. I don't remember any of them. I, I, I said people, I signed something that I read them, and that's about as far as we got. So I'm hoping that these will go down a little bit deeper, and uh, you'll see them pop up in a few different places. Uh, but the, the most important thing to understand or uh, to kind of wrap our mind around is that our values, though there's seven value statements, uh, it's focused around what I call the big three. So there's, there's three that are our lens or our perspective. They're the way that we view the world. The, the, there are what everything else revolves around. Those big three are this. We are Jesus people. We are people people. And we follow Jesus one step at a time. That's our big three. Does that sound familiar to anybody? You're like, yes, I've heard these things one or two times. We're Jesus people. Why? Well, because in Colossians 1, it says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, that he's supreme over all creation. Hebrews 1 says that the Son radiates the very character of the Father. That Jesus expresses the the character of the Father and that he sits down. He sits down at the place of honor at the right hand of God. In other words, he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. There's no other like him. There's none that compare. There's none beside him. So we set our eyes on Jesus. The book of Revelation says he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. So we set our eyes on Jesus. Come on, are you with me, church? We set our eyes on Jesus. So everything in our world world, everything at Saints Church revolves around who? 
Come on, it's Jesus. We're Jesus people. And because Jesus came and he gave his life for you and I, we are also people people. Because if he gave his life for them, then so will I. And we follow Jesus one step at a time because Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborer toils in vain. And, and I don't know about you, but I've done enough silly things on my own to know that I don't want to live a life that doesn't have purpose and that's not directed by Jesus. And so whatever we do, whatever decision we make, how we're going to move forward is we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to take that next step. And it might not be fast enough for some or it might be too slow for others, but it doesn't matter. We're not going to move in our timing. We set our hearts and our minds moving in the timing of the Lord. We are Jesus people. We are people people. We follow Jesus one step at a time. Here's our vision statement. And if you missed the message where we made this kind of mess of it, uh, you know, every vision statement in a church ever is some sort of iteration of Matthew 28. Like, that is the original church vision statement. It's Jesus' words. It's the Great Commission. If you miss this message or any of these messages, you can head to saintschurch.ca, hit the online button. You can get all caught up. But the important thing is that as we're looking at each one of these vision, this vision statement and then value statements, that these things are not our ideas. They're God ideas. There's a firm foundation of Scripture. So today we're going to look at the last two. But this is our vision statement. I thought we would look at it one more time. It says, we go places no one wants to go and do things no one thought possible so that anyone and everyone can discover hope in life in Jesus. So anyone and everyone can have the same, the same experience that Abun had, can walk through the same journey that Erlen did, so that everyone can have the same confidence that Cliff has. That's why we do what we do, to point people like a giant neon sign in a movie where it's raining in the dark and we're just that old-timey sign flashing. That's what we are, that old-timey sign flashing in the darkness pointing towards Jesus. When we say we go places, it doesn't always mean physical places. It means we go places inside. That Jesus is transforming us from the inside out. That we're going to look more and more like him. That we're willing to go places, to the dark places. John 1 says there's a light that shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So we go places on the inside. We invite Jesus in. We're being transformed that we can come out more healthy and whole with our whole being. Because Jesus loves us and he wants to transform our body, our soul, and our spirit. We go places relationally. I don't know about you, but I think this year has taught us that community is more valuable than we ever anticipated. And maybe we thought we had it, or we knew what it looked like, but I believe Jesus is calling us to a new level of community and relationship so anyone and everyone can discover that hope in life that's found in Jesus. All right, here we are, vision statement, value statement, story number six. We love to be generous. We love to be generous. And I'm going to lean into this value statement today. I've got this trusty Apple pencil. We will see uh, what happens with that. We'll see if we color all over this or we just leave it as it is. Oh, it looks like I already did and did not go away from the first service. Okay. We love to be generous. Here's the value statement. Generosity is about giving more than what is required. Now, I want to make this statement about generosity before we go any further. Uh, I, I think when we think about generosity, we, our minds first go to money. But Jesus called us to be generous with every part of our being. 
Generosity is about giving more than what is required. We see generosity as a privilege. We're generous, and here it is, with our time, our talent, and our treasure. See, generosity has more to do than just with our, our finances. It has to do with, with how we speak and how we treat one another and how we talk to one another. I don't know about you, or maybe you've noticed this about me. When I'm moving on a mission, I've got this face that looks a little bit more grumpy than I'm actually feeling on the inside. It's probably just me, though. Nobody else has that. Now we've got masks, and it covers it all up. But I realized that Jesus called me to be generous on my face, to have a smile on my face, because a a well-timed and a well-placed smile has the ability to change somebody's moment and change somebody's day. Jesus called us to be generous in the way that we speak, to be gracious and to be kind and to be encouraging. I think we've underestimated the power of encouragement in this day and age. We've underestimated the power of an encouraging word. Did you know every time you, 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 you set out to say something that, that is encouraging and bring life, you're actually speaking to somebody's destiny? Generosity is about giving more than what's required. I don't have to make that comment. I don't have to give that encouragement. I don't have to say good morning. I don't have to do any of those things, but Jesus has called me to be generous because generosity is just an expression of my gratitude. We're generous with our time, our talents, and our treasures, and we go first in our giving. The reason I underlined that is because sometimes when we think of giving of something or we give, uh, whether it's uh, cash or whether it's giving of our time or serving or taking care of our neighbor, whatever it is, sometimes we we think about it in the the parameter of I'm going to give what's left. I just wonder what might happen in our hearts and our lives if, if generosity had priority. We go first in our giving. So when we give of our finances, we give of the first. Because Jesus has first place priority in my life. Not what's left. We go first. When I encourage somebody, it's not because I'm baiting them to encourage me or it's not because they already did it. I go first. I give not out of what's left over, but I give out of the abundance of my heart. You see, uh, God looks, looks at the inward man, but all of us, we look at the outward expression. And so we look at all these outward expressions and we decide who's generous or who's not. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to look at what's inside, what is generous in my heart. Let it come out of me. Let the abundance of my heart speak generous words that are gracious and that are kind. We go first in our giving. God has given richly towards us, and it's our honor to give back to him in every way. It's our honor to give back to him. This is uh, Eugene Peterson, professor at Regent, wrote a paraphrase of the Bible. And the way that he captured this verse has, has changed my life. And, and you might have heard me say it a few more times, but you'll hear it a lot. But I just love the way that he says this. He says this in Proverbs eleven twenty four. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Now, when we think of our generosity within, as something that is within the parameter of our character, within the parameters of our nature, of, of how we speak to people, how we take care of people, how we love one another, wasn't that the command that Jesus said, listen, love one another as I have loved you? When we think about that, our world gets larger when we love large, when we take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Our world gets larger when our default position is an encouraging word instead of a, is instead of a harsh word that tears down. 
Our world gets larger when we speak hope and life into somebody because we're, we're bringing them into the family. We're drawing together in relationship, and our world gets bigger. If you want to live alone, be somebody who is mean, rude, and angry. Now, this is the next verse back in the NLT. It says, the generous will prosper. But get this, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who bring refreshing to others, whether it be in word, in gesture, in deed, whatever you do, whatever you pour out. You know, the scripture talks about this principle of of sowing and reaping, and and it's true. And that's what he's saying here. When you pour refreshment on others, when you when you give that well-timed encouragement or that or that word of life and hope, what you're actually doing is you're refreshing somebody. You're saying, you know what? You're gonna make it through. It's gonna be all right. Jesus called you, he loves you, he's got a plan and a purpose for you. You're speaking into them, you're building them out, you're refreshing them, you're you what they've heard, they're dripping of discouragement. But when you walk in the room, hope walks in the room because Jesus lives inside here and he's just waiting to get out and and, and infect everybody around. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, when we talk about loving generosity, we, we always throw it back to the early church and, and where the church started when we're trying to understand, you know, where we are now and how we got here. And there was a spirit of generosity uh, that, that took place in this early church. Now, be careful when you pray for the book of Acts. You might read the book of Acts. You're like, God, this is just what I want right now. Understand that real persecution happened in the book of Acts. The people laid their lives down in the streets that more people could hear this gospel so that anyone and anyone could discover this hope in life that's found in Jesus. But there was this culture or this spirit of generosity that was in their meetings. It said this in Acts 2, 44, 45. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They shared everything they had. Now you're like, hold on, and you tell me I need to share everything, move in with somebody, and just like, we'll just share everything. No, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what they did here either. Now they spent a lot of time moving from home to home, from house to house, building these deep family relationships, really being connected with one another. And, you know, in some ways I feel like it's, it's ironic that we're talking about these deep relationships and these connections because there's probably not been a time in, in recent human history when we've been so disconnected. But Jesus is calling us together. And I'm not saying that as a church, we've, we've, you know, church, big church, like all universal church that we've ever, that we're getting this right. But I think Jesus is calling us to it. This spirit of let's be in one another's lives more than just this is a gathering place or a gathering pose, a place where we come and then we go and then we come and then we go. This is where we meet up to tell the stories of all the things that Jesus has done, to celebrate the weekly wins, to celebrate the things that he's doing. This is our time to lift up the name of Jesus, knowing that there's something special that happens when the people of God worship together, that Jesus is enthroned in the praises of his people. This is what happens when the when community uh, can't wait to get together to say, this is what's happened in my neighborhood and in my community, in my home and in my work and in my spot. This is what happens when the gather, when, when the, uh, the believers gather together, but let it not stop there. I don't know about you, but I yearn and I long for a day where we're generous with our time with one another. And we don't just leave our Sunday relationships on Sunday. 
says they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. So Everett's been losing teeth like crazy. He's nine, and his teeth are gnarly. Like, I can say that because he's not here, and he's, don't, don't look at him, though. Don't, don't go, you're like, I want to see Pastor Brett's son. He, he, I want to see these teeth. Like, they're just, listen, I'm praying for him every day, and I'm praying because I know how big that bill is going to be when we throw those braces on there. And, uh, you know, you, you look at those braces, Bills, and so what happened was somebody here, this is, this is the outworking of this, this feeling of generosity is that people just love one another and they wanted to take care of the most basic needs. So somebody said, listen, I got a TV in my basement or I've got an old bike in my garage. I'm going to throw it on Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace. I'm going to sell it and I'm going to give you the cash. It might not be everything that you need, but I know that you've got a big bill coming up or you got something to take care of and I just wanted to make sure that you're okay. That was the idea of this generosity, where it's just coming out of more than enough. I have more than enough. I have an abundance of what I need, and instead of me just hoarding it all and keeping it all, I'm just going to give it all away. Whatever flows through me, let it flow uh, to me. Let it flow through me. I mean, I wonder what might happen if we just took care of one another's most basic needs, not because we had to, but because there was such a deep sense of love that we just wanted to, not because somebody asked or had a GoFundMe, not that there's anything wrong with that, but just because we knew each other enough that we knew what the need was. I mean, I think that's it right there. Who is there in your life that you know them enough that you know what their need is? And how is Jesus calling you to fill it? Which leads us to Romans 12, 9, 10, which will take us through to 13. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Verse 10, it drills down. Love each other with a genuine affection. Now, this is the most, this next, this next part is my, literally the most exciting thing that anyone can say to me. Take delight in honoring each other. That thought or that idea right there that we could be a community, that we could be a place that takes delight, that finds joy in honoring one another that has such this genuine love and affection for each other that, I mean, I just can't wait to honor you. That's why I love our team nights so much. I don't know if you've ever been to one of our team nights. Uh, they happen quarterly, and if you haven't been, you're going to want to come to the next one. Uh, at team night, we get to celebrate four, sometimes six, amazing volunteers and just show them how much we love and appreciate them. And there's something special about honoring people. I just wonder if... What could happen if it wasn't, system, wasn't systematic, if it wasn't organized, if we could latch onto this idea and learn to take delight in honoring one another? I think it's what happens when Jesus let's, takes us deeper and our roots go down deep into his love. This is the continuation of that thought. Never be lazy. Work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, this is it right here. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, if we want to undergird this with a piece of scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. The ultimate act of generosity is the very means by which you and I have a personal connection with the creator of the universe. If that doesn't make you want to be generous in gesture and deed, I don't know what does. 
and I was talking about, I've been talking about encouragements a lot. You know, every time you give somebody an encouragement, you're not just saying something kind. You're literally prophesying life into their destiny. You're like, hold on, that's really big words and sounds really spiritual gobbledygook. No, no, think about it for a moment. Every time you're speaking a word of encouragement, especially if you're somebody who's a follower of Jesus and you believe that Jesus leads you and guides you, speaks to you, and if he's prompting you to share a word of encouragement with somebody, he's actually telling you to tell them something that he wants them to hear. And so when you're obedient and responsive and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to follow your lead, and you just think it's a small thing or it's a small compliment or it's a small little piece of encouragement, you're actually speaking directly into their very heart and their being, and Jesus is speaking through you, and you're putting some wind in their sails, and you're saying, I believe in you, I believe the calling, I believe in the gifts in you, I believe that God purposed you, I believe that for such a time as this, God is using you, and all you might say is, hey, you're doing a great job and I love the way that you love those kids when you serve in kids ministry. But what you're doing is speaking into the depths of who they are. You never know the depth that one single encouraging word can go. Of course, on the subject of generosity, Paul gets right to it. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. This is not an exhaustive by any means uh, take on our theology of generosity. Uh, there's a whole other time and a place, I'm sure a whole other sermon series for that. This is a core aspect of who we are, that we are generous generous with our time, our talent, and treasure, generous in gesture, generous with our words, generous with our demeanor. We just love to be generous. That being said, if this is your local church, if this is a place that you call home, if this is a place that you're, you're putting roots down and you're growing, uh, I'm just wondering if you would consider, and more than just consider, would you pray about investing in, in, in being a regular contributor, tithing and giving here to the work of the ministry? Because if, if you're receiving something, and you might as well put those roots down and let them go down deep and make an investment into what God is doing. Because while it feels like, well, I'm giving to this church or I'm giving to this, this church, the truth is you're, you might be physically giving it to the church, but what you're actually doing is you're giving it to God. We just happen to be his stewards. You know, this is really funny. Uh, so I grew up, um, I used to like Star Trek a lot. And by used to, I still do. But we just don't talk about it publicly that often. In fact, uh, there's this picture of me, uh, like five years old, in a full Star Trek uniform. It's out there. It, you can find it. It's on the internet somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, it will never die. Uh, it keeps coming out. Um, but I little, as a little kid, when, when the offering, uh, we used to go to church where the offering buckets got passed, which is, you know, we can't do that in COVID, but they would pass on the offering buckets. And I was convinced, this is the product of watching too much sci-fi, I was convinced that those Baskets would be passed around, the offering would come together, the ushers would take it outside into a back room, and they would take it, and it would get beamed up straight to heaven. That's what I thought it looked like. And, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen that way. So you could just, you just pray about that. <laughs> All right, here's our next one. We fail forward. Like, whoa, fail. 
Yeah. We love to take risks, and here it is, learn from our mistakes. We look back and learn so we can move forward and grow. We are willing to try almost, I should probably really highlight that, almost, where are we? I can't see it, almost anything, if it means we can reach more people with the hope and life found in Jesus. If we can reach more people, I'm willing to try it. If, 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 more, if somebody would, is, even just one person is willing to make a decision or, or would be exposed to Jesus in a brand new way, then, then I'm willing to do it. Are we always going to get it right? No. We're going to try and we're going to learn and we're going to figure out what mistakes we made and how we could do it better. I, I love, I shared this a few weeks ago. Uh, our production team has a saying that we're, we're better every week. The goal is to get better every week. And as a human being, I've just adopted that. I just want to get better every week. I want to get better every day. I want to look more and more like Jesus. I want to be transformed to look more and more like him. I don't lose myself when I look more like him. I find myself when I look more like him because I'm created in his, in his image. And when I look more like Jesus, I look look like the person that he created me to be. And that means when, when we do things and we get ideas and we're going to try things, we're going to try things organization, we're going to try things as a church, we're going to try things to reach people. We're going to try this thing called the fall festival. Do I know if it's going to work? No, I don't. Are we going to do it anyways? Yes, we are. Why? Because we're going to do anything we can so that anyone and everyone can be exposed to the power and the presence of Jesus, even if that's through a piece of candy. If one kid shows up and knows that they then knows that they are loved and that they are cared for and that the people here are generous in gesture, generous in nature, and they just do things that, so that I can feel loved, then we will have succeeded. So yeah, we're going to try things. And it's not always going to be perfect, but we're going to learn from it. We're going to debrief. We're going to see what we can fix, what we can do better, how we can reach more people. You know, whether it's a Sunday gathering or a different ministry or even something in your own life or, or, or you know, particularly I, I can just speak to my own life. I would rather try something and fail than have not tried at all. Because if I fail, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. I can figure out the broken pieces and we can work on that. We can fix it. We can correct it. If I don't try, then I just decided that my personal embarrassment is worth more than that person that I'm trying to reach. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try. As a team, we're going to try. On a Sunday, we try things, and it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. You know, you, you know, I'll, I'll give you the behind the scenes. In the first service, I had this little in-ear monitor so I could hear everything that was happening in the service. Second service, it didn't work. So we had somebody standing at the door waving at me when it was time to start talking. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep getting better, whether it's here or it's at home. You know, I want to be a better dad. I want to get better every week. I want to be, be a better husband. I want to get better every week. So we fail forward so we can reach more people. I'll give you some verses. Oh, here's, here's the money right here. Apostle Paul hits it. He said, make allowance for each other's faults. I think that speaks to the spirit of generosity as well. May we be people who make allowance for each other's faults. We forgive anyone who offends you. And remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 
Remember what he did for you? You could do it for somebody else. Romans 12, 10, we take delight in honoring each other. Romans 12, 3, now this is, it gets, this is hard language. This is the Apostle Paul throwing down. He says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. It says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. You know, you know what? Without Jesus, I am inadequate to accomplish the plans and the purposes that he has for me. I'm not enough. But with him, you and I can do more than we could ever ask, hope, imagine, or dream. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now, you might be sitting here. And you're like, hey, I, I'm at church and it's good. I didn't really see myself coming to church or I'm just kind of here to support somebody else or literally there was nothing else that I could do or I needed to come here to get my Thanksgiving turkey. But these words don't just apply to those of us who have already made the decision to follow Jesus. They apply to you too. That when God sees you, he loves you. He's got an incredible plan and a purpose for you. He's got a destiny for you. And he's gonna take that thing, which he started, and he wants to see it through to completion because there's good in you. And he's gonna bring out the best. And it may not feel like it in this season. It may not feel like it's good to be generous or it might not feel like you've even got the capacity. I don't know about you, but some days it, my, the inside of me feels like the weather looks outside. But Jesus is gonna lead us. He's gonna guide us. And he's gonna see it through. The Bible calls him the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Verse 24 of Psalm 37. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. If you're following Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you might trip, you might fall, but the Lord's going to hold you. He's going to hold you by the hand. He's going to sustain you. Colossians 1 says he holds everything together. Hebrew 1 says he sustains everything with just one word, with just one word. In other words, you can hold on to the hand of the one who holds the world and he will lead you and he will guide you and he will direct you and you might have heard this before and you might have you've said listen why do you keep coming at me with these verses over and over and over again because I just want to expose you to the very nature of who he is it's not about the verses it's about his heart and his heart is for you a personal relationship and when you walk with Jesus you just see it different and he shows you different things. And he shows you different things about who you are and who you're created to be. He shows you what's possible. So yeah, we're gonna fail forward. So that anyone and everyone can discover the hope in life that's found in Jesus. Here's our seven value statements. We're Jesus people. 
We're people, people. We follow Jesus one step at a time. We do our best and then some. We are here to help. We love to be generous. And we fail forward. That's who he's called us to be at Saints Church. Thank you for tuning in to the Saints Church podcast. If you want to learn more about our church, you can head to our website at saintschurch.ca for service info, online giving, and more online content. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.